Didn't want that to end. Beautiful. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to have back with us my dear friend, Tony Nolan. How many of you have heard Tony Nolan before? Yeah. Tony is from Georgia. He's from Georgia. He's been to creation several times, East Coast, West Coast, on your Winter Jam tours and all a lot of things that have taken place. But Tony is one of our beloved friends, and he's here to share the word. Father, we thank you for an opportunity now to hear the word. We ask that you speak to our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, Tony Nolan. What's up, Creation Fest? How y'all doing? Hey, I want, I want everybody right now just to say, Pastor Harry, we love you. Get you some of that. You love. You love. Amen. Harry. Yeah, yeah. Wow, now check this out. I am so stoked about being here. How y'all doing down at the front? Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all ready? Going to be crazy. What's up, y'all in the back? There they are. <laughs> Yeah, it's a whole different day today. I was here several years ago, and while I was preaching, Preston had to come out and warn some people that they were being uh, flooded in some area in the back. I thank God for the weather today. So beautiful. All right, now check it out. Here's how we're going to get started. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to look him in the face. Look at him right in the face. See, you knew God was going to ask you to do something difficult today, and there it is. Amen. No, 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 no. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. It's all good. They're beautiful. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to look at them right in the face, and I want you to say this. Look at them in the face and say this. God loves what you're looking at, baby. Go ahead and tell them. Check it out, check it out. The reality is this. God doesn't sort of like you. God isn't simply fond of you. God loves you. Now let me share one verse of scripture from the infallible and errant inspired authoritative word of God. How many people are loving the Bible? You love that Bible, amen. Come on, man, that book changed my life. Now check it out. Straight from the Word of God, listen to what the infallible, inerrant, inspired, authoritative Word of God said. It's a familiar verse of Scripture, but I want you to listen to it with fresh ears. Check this out. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this. For God so. the world <laughs> so some of y'all looking up here at me like I ain't never heard it like that before no 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 because this is what we do we usually race through that verse of scripture because we're so familiar with it man and so here's what we do we kind of race through that little tiny word we go this for God so loved the world I know it's only two letters, two of the characters that take up the 26 characters of the English alphabet. It's a tiny little word, but it's colossal in meaning. It, for, it's not just simply for God so loved the world. No, it's for God so, posh squared, loved the world. That check this out. He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, that is an amazing verse of Scripture. And if you're wondering why I read it a little different than regular people, it's because I got swallowed up by this amazing love of God. See, I got a little bit of a backstory. I'm going to just tell you just a little bit about it. it this, this man right here was once a baby, and I was born in a mental institution in McClinney, Florida. I was born 
in a mental institution. A mental institution. That's some of y'all back there going, that explains everything. No, 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 that's just, that's, 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 that's where my mom had me because you got to understand, my biological mother was a mentally insane homeless prostitute. She was medically diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Her profession, through it she conceived me. And she decided that she was going to give life a chance and she had me in the state mental hospital in McClinney, Florida. Uh, she couldn't keep me, and so after I was born, I was handed over to the state, and I was placed in a very corrupt foster care system. That's why my family and I try to do so much to help orphans. It was messed up, man. The people that had me, they, they beat me all the time. They, they sexually molested me. They tortured me with burning cigarettes. You know when Jesus described the devil in John chapter 10, verse 10, he called him a thief. A thug, how, appro how appropriate. Because, man, he definitely was stealing and killing and destroying in my life. He said he's a steep, he's out the steep, he's out the steal, kill, and destroy. And, man, if I had time today to just walk through the crowd and sit down next to every one of you and just take a little bit of time, I bet it wouldn't take no time at all. And I could just talk to you just for a little bit, and I bet you could tell me a story in your life. With the devil stolen something from you, or he's killed something in you, or he's destroyed a bunch of the lives of the people you love around you, maybe even your own. I get it. That's where I was. Get all messed up. He was coming after me and destroying me. And then when I was one month shy of being four years old, I got adopted, and my new family adopted me for $200. I'm like a little Walmart special, amen. No, 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 that's crazy how they, how they got me. That's a whole story in and of itself. But I'm grateful for Bob and Daddy Nolan. They adopted me into their family. I'm very grateful for that. But we grew up in a very rough neighborhood in Jacksonville, Florida, that is known as Sin City. Has nothing to do with Las Vegas and the decadence of luxury out there. It was a ghetto. And, and it, it was this redneck ghetto. I'm not, we were just out on tour for several months, and Sadie Robinson from Duck Dynasty was out there with us. I had the honor of mentoring her for about three months on her speaking stuff. You know, her family, I'm not talking about that Duck Dynasty redneck. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about that happy, happy, happy redneck. I'm talking about crazy, crazy, crazy redneck. That was my neighborhood. You say, Tony, what kind of crazy are you talking about, all right? My cousin Jojo was walking up the street holding the hand of a boyfriend. He got shot in the back and blew out his heart. I'm talking about crazy. My relative Oscar was at the wrong place at the wrong time, got shot point blank range in the face with a double barrel sawed off shotgun. It was a rough neighborhood. But, but time out. As I crisscross this country, I have hundreds of thousands of people that will reach out to me and they'll type, they'll, they'll get a hold of me on social media or something or email me. And they're like, hey, bro, Tony, I'm so sorry about the neighborhood that you grew up in, man. And I appreciate the sympathy. I really do. But let me give you a little newsflash, people. We all live in a bad neighborhood. It's called Earth and it's under a curse. And I don't know, is it just me or does it just seem to be getting crazy worse and worse and worse? It's just nuts, man. I know that you might be able to go to a different kind of neighborhood, get in your house, lock your doors. Maybe you got a car where you have a security system and you can lock things up. Okay, that's all cool. I know we live in America, and so, you know, a lot of the bad stuff's happening over in other nations. But, man, if you look around you, you know that something is wrong. Can I get an amen? Something's wrong, man. We live in a bad neighborhood called Earth, and it's under a curse. And so my neighborhood was tough, but so is yours. But my home life was almost as terrorizing. Not quite, but almost. We were poor, so to cope with our poverty. Say, so how poor were you? Well, we easily qualified for welfare. I know what it's like to go to the public school system. And then I had to pull out a ticket. And it was my free lunch ticket. 
and I had to pull that out to get some breakfast or lunch. And there were more times than not I didn't pull it out and get something to eat. Say, why wouldn't you eat, Tony? Because listen to me, people can be cruel making fun of other people because of what they don't have. So when I pulled that ticket out because I was real hungry, maybe I hadn't eaten for about three days, I'd pull it out, and then I'd do so, and I'd try to do it quick and give it to the little lady with a little hairnet <laughs> in the public school cafeteria. I'd try to give it to her, and when I did, somebody would go, oh, 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 there's that ghetto boy, Tony. Tony's from that ghetto. You know what his mama was? And then it was on. I mean, it was just like, drop it, it's on. I'm coming after a minute. This is crazy. It's just, it's, I know what it's like. We were poor. And so to cope with our poverty, my dad turned to alcohol. Hey, I got a question for you, sir. Ma'am, young person, listen. What do you turn to? What do you turn to? Listen, when your expectations about life, I thought it was going to be like this. I thought about that boyfriend would be like this. I thought that that girlfriend would be like this. I thought that this job would be like this. I thought that this relocation would be like this, I thought that this marriage would be like this. Okay, what do you turn to when your expectation and reality clashes? We all turn to something. We all turn to something. What, what is it, sir? It, is, is it porn? What is it? Hey, is it her and she's not the one that you gave the covenant ring to? It, 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 is, is, it, is it drugs? Am I talking to somebody? Can somebody hear my voice? And they're turning to some sort of substance and trying to anesthetize all of the, all of the funk from their expectations and realities clashing. I get it. Do you realize that we live in America, and in America we've got every other country in the world beat. This country has the highest, highest rate in selling of antidepressant drugs on the planet. People are turning to that because their expectations and realities are clashing. Some people have to do it legitimately, but there's way more that are addicted. What's going on? We all turned to something. My dad turned to alcohol. It didn't work. He would get in these drunken rages and listen to me, people. My dad would beat me. When my dad would beat me, he would scream at me, and this is what he'd say. Is this all $200 got me, boy? Is this all $200 got me? Then he would punctuate it with this statement, I wish I would have never bought you. I've told my story thousands of times, and listen to me, it never gets easy to say those words. They crushed me. Have you ever been there, sir? Ma'am, have you ever been there? Young person, have you ever been there? Have you ever been on the other end of stinking an atomic word? They say that sticks and stones may break your bones, and, but names will never hurt you. But we know that's a lie. Because words have the power of life and death. And then when my dad would say, I wish I would have never bought you, that rejection crushed me. It was a major catalyst for me to begin living a very self-sabotaging lifestyle of massive alcohol and narcotic abuse. I just wanted to be numb, man. I wanted to anesthetize the pain. I wanted to, I wanted to find a hiding place for my broken world. But the highs never got stronger than the hurts. And so I wrestled with suicide. I didn't care about living. Maybe I'm talking to somebody right now. And you ain't just got 13 reasons why. You got 14 reasons why. You got 15 reasons why. You got 16 reasons why. You got 17 reasons why. I had them too. And I tried to take my life many times, and it ended up landing me in a mental institution myself. I'm not up here trying to just give you some kind of talk. I'm up here testifying. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt there are people sitting there and people standing here that on the outside you've been sucking this thing up today, man. You've been trying to just marinate in what's going on in this moment. And it's all good that you're doing that. But the reason that you're here, one of the reasons that you're here is because you've got some inside pain and you're looking for some outside intervention. 
me too. But I never thought that God was anybody I could get it from. Why in the world did you think that? Because listen to me, I went to church when I was a kid. I went to church, I got on a church bus, went to church. I did not go to church because I was in the Jesus. I went to church because I was hiding from my dad. Sunday was the day he got his worst drunk on. It's the end of the weekend. Monday he's going to that dead-end job. So he'd get drunk again. And he beat me harder on Sunday than any other day. And so I was hiding from my dad, and then I was running from my neighborhood. Maybe if I could get on that bus and get out of here, might stand a chance of living another day. Most of my friends are dead. So I got on a church bus, went to church, sat in the front pews, preacher going off, preaching about saying everything you think of. And then when we got on the bus to leave, they started to pray. And I'll never forget, they started praying, but I don't pray because I'm not a Christian. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being rude. I was just a little kid. I, matter of fact, I don't know if you caught it or not, but I'm a little ADD. I'm not just ADD, people. I'm ADD pi squared. Amen. I don't just chew my fingernails. I chew other people's fingernails. I'm like a monkey on Red Bull, people. Amen. I'm all kinds of hyper. So, man, I'm... I'm on the bus, man, and they started praying. Well, I don't pray. I'm not a Christian. I remember what I was doing. I was looking out of the window of the bus at a big dog in somebody's, somebody's front yard. And I'm like, wow, look at that dog. That's a big dog. I could ride that dog. I want to ride that dog. I mean, I'm having my moment, man. I'm just ADD and outright. They're praying. I'm not saying anything. All that's going on inside my head. They said amen. I knew it was over. I reached over to get some other people to look at the big dog with me. When I did, the pastor's son, his name was Tracy McCormick. He's standing in the middle of the aisle of that bus. And when I turned to go get those people to look at the dog, he punched me right in my face because I didn't pray. His daddy's the pastor of the church. Earlier in the service, his daddy said that Christians are the representation of God on the earth. And so in my brain, I did the math, and the math said this. God hates me, and God just punched me in my face because I didn't pray. So all my life, with all my pain, all my hurt, all my junk, I never thought that God was anybody I could ever turn to. Listen to me, people. That message in America has to change. Amen. It's got to change. Because that's not the story of the gospel. That's not the sort of, so listen to me, I want you to get something loud and I want you to get something clear up on this lawn at Creation Fest today. Listen to me, God is not out to punch you in your face. God is out to save you with his grace. I didn't hear that message my whole life. I was suffering and limping from that moment that pastor's son punched me in my face. All of a sudden, one day, somebody came after me and they shared with me the true story of the gospel. That God had come to earth, the creator had come to the creation, and he walked on the earth in the person of Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He is a real historical figure. Jesus Christ, our calendars are marked by the man's existence. It's real. He lived a sinless life. They butchered him on a cross. He poured out his blood, died. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he rose from that grave. And why in the world did he do it? Because listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody here can stand and say you're not a sinner. We all have broken the law of God. And with that comes the wages of sin is death. Just like if you're driving down the road and you get a speeding ticket, you got to pay the ticket. We were holding a ticket in our hands. We're busted. We've sinned against God. And the penalty is death. And so what does Jesus do? Come to earth and punch us all? No. He comes to earth and he takes our punishment for us all. Wow. Christ came and died for us. He died our death for us. When I heard that, my mind was blown. I'd never heard that ever. I'd never heard that ever. 
all of a sudden somebody is telling me this story and I thought, man, this is scandalous. There's no way that God came to earth for jacked up people and messed up people. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, let me read it from the Bible. You know what he read? For God so loved the world that whosoever, listen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, Tony, you're whosoever. I said, there's no way this could be for me. There's no way that this could be for me. He said, yes, it is. It's for you. God came and took your place. I said, man, what do I got to do? He said, it's already been done. It's been done through Jesus on a cross. I said, but, well, so I just, what, what do I do with that? He said, well, there is a response that you, you got to have. In order for his death and his righteousness to be placed on you, two things are required. There's two responses that are required from you. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Jesus said, Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and 5, he says, I tell you, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. What is repentance? Repentance is that moment when you change your mind. And what do you change your mind about? You change your mind about your sin, bro. Sir, you change your mind about your sin. You stop arguing with God about your sin, and you agree with him about it. You've sinned against God. Tap out. Agree with him. And then believe. You repent and you believe. Believe what? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What does it mean to believe that he raised him from the dead? you got to get all the definitive evidence about the resurrection of Jesus. No, 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 no. God ain't asking you to be some kind of Sherlock Holmes on that whole thing. No, 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 no. He's just simply saying, hey, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the only one that could come up out of that grave after the crucifixion. He is God in flesh, risen from the dead. Believe it by faith. You might say, well, I don't know if I have that much faith. Perfect. Perfect. Because Jesus said the faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. You know what that means? Listen, this is so beautiful. When it comes to coming to God, it's not the amount of your faith that makes the difference. That, that would mean you get some kind of big deal cookie about it. No, 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 no. Have nothing to do with us. It's not the amount of your faith that makes the difference. It's the object of your faith. And I've learned over all of these years of crisscrossing this country, I've just about preached in every major arena in America. It's crazy. Didn't ask for that. God just did it. Check this out. Small, dust-like particles of faith aimed at this massive, giant, huge, creating God moves his heart to come and radically bring somebody from death unto life. Bring somebody where the devil is stealing, killing, and destroying their life. And now all of a sudden they get life and life abundantly. I'm telling you, February 24th, 1989, I heard that amazing story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I repented of my sin, placed my faith and trust in Jesus. And the God of the universe made me a new creature. I'm in the family of God. God is my daddy, and I'm preciously treasured by Jesus. Come on. I ain't never gotten over it. Oh, my word. You know, listen, listen, listen. I'll never forget the night. He shared the gospel with me, shared exactly what I shared with you. And I did, man. I wept over my sin. Simple childlike faith. I surrendered over to Jesus. Believed in him by faith. And you know what happened? Listen to me. The creator here at Creation Fest, listen, the creator, he spoke to my heart. Listen to what he did. He screamed in my heart with a whisper. You ever had God do that to you? Screamed in my heart with a whisper. Listen to what he said. He said, Tony, your adopted father discouraged you by telling you that he wished he'd have never bought you for $200. And that did discourage me. It crushed me. He said, well, Tony, Tony, listen, I'm your heavenly father now. <laughs> Let me encourage you. I have never regretted purchasing you with the priceless blood of my son. I'm treasured by God. I'm treasured by God up in this place. I'm treasured by divinity. 
and so are you. And so are you, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you. Listen. Let God swallow you up with his great love today. Let him swallow you up with his love today. I was praying for you on my way over here. I said, God, what, what do you want me to share with him? And God said, hey, I want you to tell them what I've done for you. There's no greater argument for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than a changed life. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them what I'm doing for you. And then invite them in on it. And listen to me, as I'm driving here, I can almost hear the heart of God in heaven weeping for you. You know why? Because listen to me, if you don't believe, you will perish. See, we love to favor and hug and snuggle with John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He gave his son. Yes, he certainly did. And he offers it to everybody. And when you connect with him, listen, it says, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. You know what that presupposes? It means that those who don't connect will perish. And instead of everlasting life, you get everlasting death. That's as serious as it gets, people. See, for the believer, you get everlasting life. But for the unbeliever, it's everlasting death. Revelation chapter 21 tells us about hell. The final culmination of all things, the great white throne judgment. Listen to me, people. One day, every human being here and every being on the planet will stand before God and your life will be judged by God. You can't argue your way out of it. It's going to happen. And the Bible says if your name's not found written in the Lamb's book of life, that sounds so flowery, so fluffy. What does that mean? It means this. If you've not repented and believed. If you've not made adequate preparation for your soul, not through what you do in your religious deeds, but through the finished work of the creator on the cross, then you know what it means? The Bible says this. You are tossed into a burning lake of fire. And the Bible refers to hell as this, the second death. Read your Bible, Revelation 21. It says, and that place is the second death, the second death. You know what that means? Listen to me, people. Don't you miss this. Hell is a state of dying that never ends. You're stuck in a perpetual state of dying that never ends. It's the antithesis of everlasting life. It's everlasting death. And you know what way you'll be dying, but it'll never end? You're, you're burning to death. And I'm burning like a fire. I, I, I I wish that I could change that. I wish I could, I wish there was some way I could extract that. I, over all of these years, the last decade of touring this country, you wouldn't believe the hate mail that I get, the death threats that I get because I mention hell and people write me and they say, hey, man, that's so archaic. That's so old news. That's, that's just, man, we're much more vogue in our culture than that. Just drop that, man. You got to get more sophisticated. And then people that just can't stand that I'm mentioning hell because it's in the Bible and they they're all about just this other idea of grace, and they, they want to come and take my life? So I put video cameras around my house to watch me and my children? When I go into the arenas, we have people backing me and watching over me with guns? I, this ain't a joke. I could very easily just go a different route and just say, you know what? I, I, I don't want my life to be threatened. You know what? I... I'd rather everybody just like me. I mean, I, I don't like people not liking me. My daddy used to beat me and tell me he wish he never bought me. I don't like rejection. So why not just change it? Don't mention hell, Tony. But you know what? The message is not up to me. I'm just the messenger. So I got to tell you, I got to be a man of God up in here. I got to tell you the truth, sir. I got to tell you the truth, ma'am. Young person, I got to tell you the truth. And listen to me, please listen. From the depth of my heart, I tell you this. And don't, whatever you do, don't go to hell. Don't. Jesus came. He said there's a broad road that leads to destruction. And a bunch of people are going to be on it. There's a narrow road to life, and few are going to be on it. And then he stood outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus wept, not just outside of the tomb of Lazarus, he wept over Jerusalem, the most religious spot on the earth, so close, but yet so far. And he weeps over us. 
He's like, Tony, I want them to take it serious because this is serious. My holiness is serious. My glory is serious. Because in the end, they will not be able to enter into the joy of the Lord if their sins have not been atoned for. Eternity in hell. I'm like, listen, please. Don't. Don't go there. I have doctor friends that tell me the worst experience that you can go through pain-wise is to be burnt and to be severely burnt. I was in Texas, and this elderly man came up in an electronic wheelchair, and he, he grabbed me, and he said, Tony, I want to say something to you before you leave. You talked about the death threats, and you talked about the hate mail, and you talked about wanting to just kind of wave the white flag of surrender and just, you know, keeping the message just love and never mentioning hell. He said, please, preacher, please don't change it. Don't change the whole, too many are, please keep telling them the truth. And he grabbed me by my hand. He said, young man, I got to tell you something. He said, I've been a bivocational pastor most of my life. Now he's big, he's in a wheelchair, electronic wheelchair from an accident. He said, the rest of my job, I'm the pastor. And my other secular job was in law enforcement, and most of that I spent as a sheriff. And this was in Texas. He grabbed me and he said, I got to tell you something, son. One day I sent up two of my officers in a Cessna airplane. They were intercepting drugs that were coming in from Mexico. They had a fuel, full tank of gas. They went up in the air. They were not in the air that long, and it crashed. And all of us ran over there to go to that crash site and rescue them. When we got there, there was no sight of an airplane, no fuselage, no cabin, no people. There was just a wing over here that was shredded, some glass, some fiberglass, a little wheel over here and some metal, and a big giant like skid trench through the earth that went off the side of a little cliff. So we raced to the edge of that cliff, and when he got to the edge of that cliff, it was about a 15 to 20 foot deep dried up Texas creek bed. At the bottom of it, was the fuselage of that airplane all crunched up, both pilots inside. And he told me, one of the pilots was totally dead. I know he was totally dead. He said, from what I saw, that guy was dead, no doubt about it. He said, but the other guy, he was alive and he was conscious. And he was desperately trying to undo his safety harness, but he couldn't because he had two broke arms. So we look down, we see him trying to undo those safety deals, but we can literally see he's got compound fractures. We jumped over that, 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 that dried up creek bed over the cliff. We went over that cliff to go get him. And the moment that we took that first step, we smelt the fuel from the fuselage. It had a full tank. And the moment we smelt that first scent of fuel, a massive explosion happened and blew us all back. And from that moment on, my man tried to get to that fuselage to rescue him, but we couldn't get through this big, giant, white-hot wall of fire. Here's this man standing. He's sitting in this chair looking at me. I'm standing there. Other people are around. He's holding my hand, and he said, Tony, we couldn't get to him. He said the wall of licking flames was just licking like that, licking in and out, licking out. And it would open up, and I could see him. Then that wall of flame would close up. I couldn't see him. It opened up. I see him again. It closed up, and then it opened, and I saw him again. And now his arms, his, his body's on fire. Then it closes again, and it opens, and his whole body's on fire. It closes, and it never opens back up. But we can hear him in there screaming, and he's screaming, shoot me. Shoot me. Shoot me. I don't want to die like this. Shoot me. And that man in that wheelchair squeezed my arm and dropped his head and started shaking violently, weeping. What do you say to a man in a moment like that? Everybody's looking. I'm looking. I don't know what to say. I can see the tears falling off his cheeks onto his khaki pants. A long period of time went by. And finally he looked up and he looked at me and his eyes were bloodshed red. He was just stressed out from remembering this moment. He said, Tony, none of us pulled the trigger. We couldn't pull the trigger. Could you imagine the lawsuits? So he squeezed my hand again. He said, preacher, I beg you, don't stop warning people about hell. Don't. 
It's in the Bible. It's real. Don't. He said, please. Because listen to me, people. Listen to what he said. He said, because I could never imagine somebody being where he was, but stuck. Stuck. And never being able to taste the relief, the sweet relief of a final breath. If your name's not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're tossed into a burning lake of fire. I wish I could change that. There's no way I can. But the God of the universe is not a mean God. He is a gracious and he's a loving God. Because that God could have squashed us and destroyed all of us because of our sin. But instead, he came out of heaven, came to this earth, suffered, bled, died, rose again. And now to all of us, he says... Repent and believe. And you don't have to perish. That's what's so good about the gospel. You don't have to perish. But you can have everlasting life. You all have been amazingly attentive. I want to invite every one of you to join me at a reverent posture of worship. And I want to ask all of you, would you with me in this moment right now, would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me in this moment? I just want us to have a sacred, holy moment right now. Say, so why are we bowing our head and closing our eyes, preacher? Hey, there's no ritual here, man. We're just bowing our head because it's a posture of humility. And no matter where you're at on this planet, you're in the presence of God. But I know that on this piece of geography, this is a sacred place. It's been set aside for meeting with God and he's here so we're just taking a posture of humility well why close our eyes preacher to cut out distractions just to cut out distractions man life is so busy we travel at the speed of blur and our lives are so saturated with this post and that post and this activity and that activity, it's just, it's just good when we can just pause. Get in the posture of humility and cut out distractions. Look inside our heart and ask the real question. Have you really ever truly repented and believed? And listen to me. How do I know if I have, Tony? I've been affiliated with the Christian, you know, stuff. And I've gone to church. I've read my Bible and listened to some music. But how, how do I know that I'm really in and connected? How do I know that this has happened? Well, Jesus said, you're born again. And to describe what that would look like to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, if you're really connected with him, if that moment of conversion has happened, if that moment where he applied his righteousness to your filthiness, that moment has happened, the Bible says, you become a new creature in Christ and there's this transformation, all things pass away and all things in your life become new. In other words, there's such an inward transformation that happens that it results in an outward manifestation and you don't have to talk anybody into it, man. It's evident by people around you. They know that you're an apprentice of Jesus. They know that you're connected with the holy God of the universe because divinity is taking up residence inside of you. And he changed the way that you surf on the internet. He changed the way that you use your mouth. He changed the way that you, you use your money and spend your money. He changes the way you you you. You grid your, your entertainment options. He's, he makes a real difference in your life. And I want to tell you, if there's never been a change in your life, there's no Christ in your life. Because the common story throughout all the ages of those who have connected with him, from ancient Christianity is that one thing. I met God, and my life has never been the same. I got what he gave me. And he saved me. 
I found the pearl of great price and I've never been the same. That's never happened. This is your moment, man. Well, what does that look like, preacher? What do I do? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His name is Jesus. You know what I could do for you right now in this moment? I can lead you in a time of calling on the name of the Lord. I can lead you in a, in a prayer. There's nothing magical about a prayer. Prayer doesn't save anybody. Jesus saves. But listen, prayer is the language of the soul to God. The apostle Paul said, with the heart one believes on the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made on the salvation. So right there where you're standing or seated, or maybe back there in your tent or in your RV, you're listening. Hey, right there where you're at, just pause. Let me lead you in this prayer. You can repeat this after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it in a whisper. You can say it in the silence of your mind. And you know what? God hears. And he moves in mercy and grace and saves. Hey, here's the prayer. Repeat it after me. In repentance and belief. Here it is. Repeat it after me. Dear God, that's it. Repeat it after me. I know I'm a sinner. I'm not arguing. I agree. I've done wrong. And Jesus, I believe you're God's sinless son. You took my place on the cross. You died my death that I might live. So thank you, Jesus. You rose from that grave, and I believe it. And that is proof that you are Lord. So I surrender. And from this moment on, because of what you did for me, may my life be a living thank you. A living thank you for your glory and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody to look up here at me and listen to me very carefully. Listen to me, listen to me. You remember that devil I've been telling you about that wants to steal, kill, and destroy? Listen to me. He's going to work overtime in this moment because he doesn't want you to do what I'm about to invite you to do. The apostle Paul says, don't be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. Listen, don't you listen to the devil. I'm about to give you some instruction. Every one of you that just prayed that prayer with me, you said Jesus is your Lord. That means you're going to do what he says to do. He's Lord. That means you're the apprentice. He's master teacher. You follow him. So listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, he's got something he wants you to do in this moment. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Listen to what he said. He said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, he said, I'll deny you. Wow. That sounds so serious. It is. But it's also so inviting. Because he says, if you confess me, I'll confess you. Deny me, I'll deny you. But if you confess me, I'll confess you. What does that mean, preacher? Real simple. In the back, in the middle, on the sides, in the front. If you meant it, when you prayed with me, if you meant it, here's what it means. If you meant it, you mention it. If you meant it, you mention it. See, this is not something you conceal. Jesus said you can't put the light under a bushel. He said, a matter of fact, you're a part of a city now, and that city is up on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. See, this is not something you conceal. This is something you reveal. See, this is, nothing, this is nothing that we're silent about. This is something that we shout about. If you meant it, you mention it. If you meant it, you mention it. If you meant it, you mention it. Did you mean it, sir? In the back, in the front, right here in the middle, did you mean it? Down here, did you mean it? I believe you meant every word of what you said. So listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, the devil would not like you to do this in this moment. Don't listen to him. Obey Jesus. The devil's a punk. Don't you listen to the G Don't you listen to him. You listen to Jesus. The devil's a liar. You listen to Jesus. He's Lord. If you prayed that prayer, and if you really meant it, here's your opportunity to mention it right now. We're going to get real on this piece of geography. We're going to get real on this piece of grass. If you prayed that prayer, and if you really meant it, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to invite you into an amazing moment of worship. If you prayed that prayer, and if you really meant it, on the count of three, don't you flinch, 
don't you hesitate. If you prayed that prayer, if you really meant it, on the count of three, I want you to boldly raise your hand straight up in the air for the glory of God. Are you ready for this? Here it is. One, two, three. Raise your hands up in the air. Keep them up. Every one of you with your hands up. Those of you down here, you're already there. Every one of you out there with your hands up, I want you to take it one step further. And on the count of three, if you really meant it, for the glory of God, I want you to boldly stand to your feet on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Stand to your feet if you really meant what you just said. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we praise you. We give you the glory and the honor, the power, the might, and the dominion. We acknowledge you as God. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Listen, you can put your hands down. I want you to keep looking at me. Listen. This is a sacred moment. This is, listen, this is not a usual moment. So don't treat it as usual. I would invite you into an, an amazing moment of worship. Every one of you that are standing, those of you down here that are standing, but you raised your hand a while ago, listen to me. I want you to give us an amazing honor and privilege. Would you do that for us? We would love to have the honor and privilege of praying over you, ministering over you. In this moment, right now, in an act of worship, we want to pray over you. We want to give you some material. We want to help you to launch into the best days of your life for the glory of God. We want you to experience this moment of going from stealing, killing, and destroying to life and life abundantly. So listen to me. Those of you that are standing for the glory of God, on this side and on this side, Where's our leaders at? There's some folks waving their hands right down here on this side. We got some folks down here. Where's our folks that are on that side? Right there. All the way over by that, by that black and white umbrella. Every one of you that are standing, if you really meant this for the glory of God. Did you mean it? If you really meant it, I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to leave where you're at. You're not going to lose your seat. Somebody will save that for you. Nobody's going to mess with your stuff. In the name of Jesus, we'll ask them. They'll get sick to their stomach if they mess with your stuff. Amen. Anybody going to mess with your stuff? If you prayed that prayer, if you really meant it boldly right now on the count of three, I want you to leave where you're at. I want you to, on this side, I want you to walk over there to those gods that are waving their hands in the air right there. Those of you that are on this side, I want you to go to this side over here. Well, that lady right there waving her hands right there on the count of three. Did you really mean it? Then make it public. Jesus said, confess me before men. He wants you to publicly declare what you said in private prayer on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Three, move and go. Come on, move and go. Move and go. Those of you that are down here, move. Go that way. You'll get your spot back here. You'll get it back. Go. Come on, on this side. Go. 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 Come on, let's give God praise up on this piece of geography. Let's give him praise here at Creation Fest. <laughs> We're going to need pastors and deacons and priests and Bishops, we need you all. Get on back by the prayer tent so we can minister to these folks and help them. I want to say a prayer. As everybody's moving, I'm going to say a prayer. Then we've got leadership that are going to take us into the next level of this amazing day. It's always an honor and privilege for me to come to Creation Fest and listen as they're moving. I want you to listen carefully. Shh, just for a second. I want you to listen carefully. Listen, shh. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be on the platform here again, and I'm going to be teaching a lesson. And listen to what I'm going to be teaching. I pray that you'll get out of your tent, you'll get out of wherever you're coming, and you'll come and we'll gather around the Word of God in the morning. I'll have the podium up here, and I'll be going through my notes with you. Let me share with you what I'm going to be sharing in the morning. I was molested as a little boy. Later in life, shortly after I became a Christian, God made sure that I met the man that molested me. It was the day I met my biological mother. I met her one time in a mental institution. She died a month and a half after I met her. Never saw her again. But that day, the guy who told me where she was was the guy that had me as a kid. When I, did, I didn't know I was going to be meeting him. When I met him, God said, forgive him. You didn't forgive people in the neighborhood that I came up in. You stabbed them. <laughs> you don't forgive nobody. You cut him. That's what you do. And God says, forgive him. I'm like, I don't want to. God said, forgive him. I said, I can't. God said, I know, but we can. I can't. He said, I know, but we can, Tony. 
And I'll never forget looking at that man. I said, I said, sir, I know what you did to me when I was a little boy. And I want you to know I've met Jesus and I forgive you. You know what he did? This is what he did. He looked at me and this is what he said. He got all perverted and he goes, oh, you were a good boy. Rage boiled up inside my soul. I wanted to, I wanted to kill him. I mean, I did. I wanted to kill him. God goes, back away, Tony, walk away. I said, I can't walk away. He said, I know you can't, but we can. Walk away. How do you do that? Have you ever been there where somebody hurt you deeply? I mean, they deeply scarred you. You'll never get over it. I mean, it's, it's pain for the rest of your life. And now all of a sudden, they're being a beast. They're being a beast. And God's, God's inviting you to be at your best when other people are being a beast. I'll never forget. I said, I can't. God said, yeah, but we can. And I'll never forget backing up my then-girlfriend, who has now been my wife for 25 years, was with me in that moment. <sighs> she grabbed my hand as I was backing up. And she's like, looking at me like, I know you want to kill him. I know you want to kill him. <laughs> Please don't kill him. I want to get married. Don't kill him. You'll be going to jail. Don't kill him. I'm just walking away. I turned around and I walked away. And as I was walking away, God said, see, Tony, he's still in his prison of perversion. But every step you're taking away from him, you're taking toward my preferred future for your life. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be laying out four steps of how in the world could we be at our best? How can we be at our best when the world is being a beast to us? How do we tap into that power? I pray you'll come here tomorrow morning and we'll all gather around the Word of God. I guarantee you, I won't waste your time. And I know that God's going to meet with us and He's going to radically give us some stuff that will help us deal with real life issues for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father God, I bow my knees in this moment and I simply thank you, Lord. God, I want to thank you for every man and lady that's plugged a cord, that's picked up a piece of wood or assembled a piece of staging. There's guys out there working the cameras and ladies working, the people that are working in the streets. and God, they're directing traffic and there's so many servants out here. God, what a privilege to have the opportunity to come and serve alongside my brothers and sisters in Jesus. And you've given me this this gift of talking, preaching. I can't do it. You do it, Lord. It ain't no better than any other gift around here. But we preached. And because of the collective unity of all the people, the vision that you placed in Pastor Harry's heart years ago, this beautiful moment has happened here today. And people have moved from the clutches of Satan into the warm, inviting, welcoming arms of Jesus. We thank you for that, God. And now we pray for the rest of this day. Continue to bless it with your favor. Offer your glory in Jesus' name. And the people of God together said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Peace.